Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. Brought to you in association with West Yorkshire Electrical. This one, isn't it, Michael? Yep. Your favourite electricians and roofers in the whole of... Not just West Yorkshire, because that's obviously where they're based, but Yorkshire, the greater area, mm-hmm. the north. They're the only area in which I have a favourite electrician stroke roofer, to be honest. Right. Ask me my favourite in Sussex. Wouldn't I say I didn't have one, but in Yorkshire, for definite, yep. these guys. They will work just, just beyond the boundaries of Yorkshire as well, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah, they've got roofers now, which is what we're letting you know about at the minute, which means that if you do get your solar panels, your battery storage, your EV chargers, all that stuff together, get all that hooked up, They'll sort your roof out as well. And they'll do roofing work separate to your solar panels. Mm. What good guys. They'll put lights up. On your roof? Cameras up. Could you put a massive like, bat-style bat searchlight on your roof, maybe, you think? Speak to them. Right. I don't know about the planning restraints, but <laughs> speak to them. <laughs> on the flight path that leads Bradford Airport. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking beam in there. Seek forgiveness, not permission, actually. Just put one up. It's always better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission in the that's first what, place. That's, that's, what, the, that's, that's what, what the council that's, advise. That's what they say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> West Georgia Electrical, wyelectrical.co.uk for details. Ah, oh, we're getting there, aren't we? We're dragging them down to the usual level now. Lovely to have you on board. Yeah, they're on socials as well. Just look at West Yorkshire Electrical. All the usual stuff, fully accredited. You know the score. Um, wyelectrical.co.uk. Um, final day of Kaiser Chiefs Week. We'll give uh, the information out about that. The competition winner. In a bit. First of all, Phil, hey, welcome to our shambles. Nice to have you along. Thank you very much. Um, you live in York, so you used to do the shambles, aren't you? Yes, yeah. Oh, good. Well done. That's, hey, see how seamless that was. Very good. Yeah, little, that's um, Ben Fry, once of this parish. Uh, well, the Legion United Parish, anyway. Got a little wizard shop there, hasn't he? Yes. That's right. Doing and this. I think a little golf shop as well. Um, yeah. Crazy golf place yeah. further so down the road as well. Potions and stuff. Harry Potter heaven round there. Is it a little golf shop so we can uh, use the clubs? <laughs> A little man, and he used to in his little kid's tracksuit on the pitch. He used to like it. <laughs> Don't be mean. Don't be mean. Well, he he had the the you know lifetime highlight of um, please get off the pitch. Yeah, yeah, went down well. I mean, there is nobody I would have uh, I would have taken that job from. Was that when we were? Was it promoted or relegated? That, that was it was promotion. promotion. Yeah, it was two thousand and ten with about thirty thousand people on the pitch and that huge sign on the big scoreboard saying please get off the pitch or stay off the pitch. Will we see scenes reminiscent of that this time with promotion? Hey. Well, in very good oh, you're on it today. Yeah. You used to do this, you used to do this for an actual job, <laughs> can you believe? Although we're coming off the back of a cup game, so yeah, probably won't be celebrating but, that. Yeah, pitch. but we're, we're concentrating on the league now, aren't we? 
True. And we will we'll preview Huddersfield in a bit, but um, just yeah, reflections on that Chelsea game, Phil. Uh, well, fine, well, I tell you what, tell, yeah, I think tell you're, you're more disappointed about this than, than we are, I think. Yeah, tell me what the vibe is. I, I, I thought they played really well last night. I thought it was a strong performance. I was impressed yet again by the way in which players were interchanging, but the levels seemed to, seemed to stay much the same. Style stayed much the same. Farke did say before, and we don't want to change anything. We don't really want to try and approach this differently when it comes to tactics or whatever else. And it did look like watching his side as they've been in, in the championship. I thought they were unlucky not to go through. And it was it's an easy one to be philosophical about because the league's looking so good at the moment. But I have a feeling that if Leeds had edged that last night, people would now be looking at home draw against Leicester and thinking... Do you know what? Wembley, There's a bit of a chance here. There Wembley. is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the way it goes, isn't it? I mean, the other side to that is that I think it'd be nice to have a day out at Wembley. Ultimately, with two days out at Wembley to pay for, potentially, if you get through to the final, we're probably on balance going to lose one of them to one of the Premier League death stars. So I'm kind of philosophical about it. Yeah, it'd be nice. But the I was saying last night in the match, but like the, the weight of the Premier League money and what it means for the club it just so massively outweighs the very what feels like a very slim chance of winning that and I'd love a day out of Wembley I'd love to win the cup Wigan proved that it can be done Portsmouth proved that it can be done but on balance of probabilities I'd also like to keep Somerville Ruta Archie Gray all those players I want to yeah, go up with them yeah. so if you, if you had to make a choice it's the heart and head thing isn't for, it for sure I mean I, I am one of those people who believes it's possible to have both and there does seem to be this kind of assumption that if you stick around in the FA Cup for too long it's going to do you in, in the league and I'm not so sure that that would have been true of Leeds this season just because and, and, and in this running just because of how good they've been recently and not only that because of how good the, the fringe players that Fark is using from time to time like last night Joseph for example the way that they're playing and the difference that they're making they are in a really strong position really strong frame of mind I think Farker will be quietly disappointed because that was sort of there to be won. I thought the second half in particular, Leeds just managed it really well. And Chelsea are this weird, weird machine at the moment. Like they're, they're surely the biggest collection of individuals Premier League's ever seen. And they were saying on the commentary, and I agree with this last night, that they've got really good players there, you know, elite footballers, but they don't have any glue in the side. You know, they don't seem to have any ultra-reliable, proven pros who can, who can hold it together as, you know, the best of the best in the Premier League. And that does seem to be a, a problem. It seems to be like throwing a lot of money at the wall and, and hoping that it's going to stick. And there were periods last night where it reminded me a bit of the first time that he also took Leeds down to Arsenal before it had really fallen into place under Arteta. And when Arsenal couldn't quite work out where it was they were trying to, well, they knew where they were trying to get to, but they didn't look like they were getting there any anytime fast. And you felt, and I remember discussing this with one of our, our Arsenal writers saying there was a team down there who knew what they were and knew how they were going to play and that was Leeds and there was a team who kind of didn't and that was Arsenal and Arsenal was sort of relying on their elite players their expensive investments to get them out of trouble and to get them through which is what happened in the end and it was a bit like that with Chelsea last night they don't really have patterns of play you're not quite sure what the, the grand plan is whereas looking at Leeds you know as, as Fark has built them you can see what's going on and you can see how, how it's supposed to work and it, it, very, it came very close to, to working and I think they would have deserved the, the result had they gone through so I think he'll he'll rue that slightly because he he wouldn't have wanted to lose that tie and you could see that in his in his body language afterwards I thought but at the same time everything reverts now to promotion which was the number one goal when this season started. If you dispense with the um, the what ifs around the the idea of the cup and will it cost you anything in relation to promotion if you put all that to one side it was quite an interesting litmus test wasn't it of 
how we fare against the Premier League side. Against a bang average mid-table Premier League side. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. And it, it does go to show, first of all, the I suppose the the merits of having a good system and a well-drilled system in place. But we stood up to that challenge pretty well. And, you know, they weren't playing their full first team, but then neither were we. Well, no, I think that's the point, though, isn't it? Stood up to it, even though you didn't have um, Ruta on the pitch. Um, Somerville and Nonto came came on in the second half. And I think those changes were quite indicative of the fact that, that Farker saw that that game could be won and, and wanted to, to nick it towards the end. But, you know, others missing as well. It wasn't as if Leeds were at full strength. It wasn't as if there weren't changes. He had Joseph playing up front, you know, who is very raw, but at the same time looks very good and very capable. I think he obviously has ability, but physically as well. It wasn't a problem for him last night at all. Mixed it quite happily with that that Chelsea defence. It definitely is a litmus test. It's a slightly odd one because, as I say, you're not quite sure what it is that Chelsea are trying to do with themselves at the moment. And I think as well, there were aspects of the performance, particularly what was going on down the left-hand side, that made you realise that there is going to have to be investment if Leeds go up, and that kind of goes without without saying. But Ampadu had a very strong game, I thought. Archie Gray, um, I was sort of saying on Twitter last night, he's one of those annoying people that makes you realise how much you wasted your own life when you were <laughs> 17, um, watching watching what he's doing. And I'm I mean that, still wasting it now, Phil. That's well, yeah, me. no, no, true. Yeah, when you began wasting it, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to um, in, a, in a finite period. And kind of broadcast to the world last night and he, he just um, I think it was Lee Dixon who said he looks like he's played 300 games great and he does you know he just cruises through it doesn't seem to get rattled at all confidence seems to hold regardless of who he's playing against which I always think is one of the best measures of how good a youngster is the fact that you, you put them in against better players and they play better it, looks, um, it just looks bulletproof doesn't it it looks unflappable yeah. and bulletproof and totally full of self-confidence but not in a cocky way but this is why Clubs always want to protect good players. So when you have players who are particularly in form and, you know, this will come around with Somerville, I think, quite soon, you, you want to extend the contract, you want to make the contract as watertight as it possibly can be. But it's quite rare, especially with academy players, that you're on them so much or to the extent that leads well with Gray, you know, absolutely nail down first pro contract before he turns 17, get his next pro contract in place as early as you can out with the rules that, that mean that you've got to, that the initial pro deal can only run for a certain period of time. Is it three, three years yeah. they can have under 18? Um, yeah. But then once you turn 18, you can you can sign a better deal again. So that's already already been done. And I think I was going to say, we should say he turns 18 in about another two weeks' time. He does. The 12th of March. Yeah. So that deal's already been agreed. Um, that runs till 2028, which is a long, you know, really long stretch. I don't think in any way it guarantees that he's going to be here until 2028. But you know, up, that's Phil. just the usual. Phil, that's just the usual Phil. run of things. Why, um, you sell, why are you selling? Why you know, selling? Michael, he's selling Archie Gray. How much we're getting for him? Well, you see the good. <laughs> well, <you> see, <laughs> the, the good thing with um, the good thing with Gray is that he really, really wanted to be here. So when when he was coming up to the point of signing his first pro contract, there were a lot of other clubs interested: City, Liverpool, Spurs. You know that that bracket and. The message to Leeds was basically, if you match a certain percentage of the lowest offer, i.e. you don't have to match it completely, but if you hit a certain percentage, then he'll happily sign for Leeds, which which he did, and has extended his deal again. And I think Ampadu's quite an interesting comparison, isn't he? Because he went to Chelsea, and he, he was younger, I'm pretty sure, than him when, when he went from, from Exeter. But it didn't happen for him at Chelsea. So I can't imagine that Gray will be in any way unhappy with the number of minutes he's getting moving him into the centre of midfield last night was good because I think that's where he has to play longer term this just feels like a really really good good spell for him and it's not difficult I don't think to to make the argument that you're in the right place I mean this season if Gray was at a Premier League club he'd be on loan in the Championship which he is, may well be which is just what he's doing anyway so yeah. he might as well be a he's not on loan in the Championship he's staying 
But no, I mean, it's not staying in the championship forever. It's staying with us until we go up. Yeah. And then he'll be in, a, in the Premier League with us forever. He's just getting to develop with the club he actually plays for rather than somewhere else. Well, I suppose Liverpool are the counter-argument to that, aren't they? That there are a lot, of, um, a lot of young players who are coming through at Liverpool at the moment, but injuries are, are playing a part in that as well and influencing it. But as I say, he's not going to reach the end of the season, Gray, and feel like he's been undersold or feel like he hasn't got anywhere near enough minutes. It's like very much the opposite scenario to Charlie Creswell, isn't it? That Gray's number of starts and number of minutes is is immense for a player as, as young as him. And that's the other thing. Physically, it just doesn't seem like a challenge for him. You never look at him and think he looks 17. <laughs> just brilliant. Just apart, makes me smile. Apart from the fact that he's got a 17-year-old's face. Yeah. You know, he, he looks like He does look like a, a school kid visually but um, when he's playing it just looks the same as everybody else yeah we had this chat didn't we on the weekly show like just saying what were you doing when you were 17 it's trying just... to imagine your face at 17 Phil oh, it's much quite, the same as this <laughs> yeah what was your hair like uh, receding rapidly <laughs> yeah I was talking last night about how at 17 we were all drinking in the miners club in Pennycook and to be honest that was from about 15 onwards yeah um, the, suppose, the, mine, the miners club because they allow children to drink there, presumably. Well, I should probably say, you know, legally, I imagine that they now have a very, and have for years had a very strict policy on, yeah. you know, ID and everything else. But in, um, in the before times, before, the, before, before, before camera times, phones. Before in the before phones, times, yeah. it didn't seem to have any ID policy whatsoever. And before it all got so you bloody know, woke. Well, no, you know, credit to them. Are we really. blaming the woke right for this? <laughs> You can't you can't be a hardened drinker at fifteen anymore. I don't know whether the Wokarati existed in the late nineteen nineties, did they? Want a thing, but you know, no, there was no there was no sort of ID pushing and credit to them for that. Um, however, times times have changed, but yeah, I mean, I had the advantage of looking kind of forty five to fifty from the age of about thirteen. Yeah. So what was, was, no, what was your hair like? What style did you have it in? I can't it imagine. Was, now. It was curtains back in the nineties. Nice. Yeah. yeah, curtains yeah. and stubble. Yeah. Mm. I can't. Somebody needs to Photoshop this, don't they? I'll find you some old pegs if you want. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously put a picture of your bird on here. Well, that as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't have that, you can have one of me. Yeah. But Archie Gray's magnificent, isn't he? Like you say, I, I hark back in my own mind to being 17. And, you know, you look at the relative maturity levels and, I, and I'm still quite immature now in certain aspects. But to be able to carry yourself like that and just know what you want to do and be that good at football at 17. It's to have made mistakes as well in games and then to just get straight on with things because against, against professional football you, you, you see it with senior players when they'll sometimes make a mistake and they'll pro- fully retract into themselves and just be like get rid of the fucking thing for the next 60 minutes because they think well I've, I've misplaced some passes here I'm going to take no chances whereas Gray just cracks straight on with yeah. taking people on the edge of his own box well you, you can contrast it with Junior Furpo can't you actually who has told tales of when he signed for Barcelona um, he, I think he had a bit of a stinker in his first game, didn't he? And the crowd turned against him even in his first game. And he essentially just, that, that finished his Barcelona career to, uh, in any sort of meaningful sense from that point onwards because he never recovered his confidence. And that he was a grown-up. Well, the, the game to look at is Middlesbrough at home earlier this season. And the, the first goal, which you could kind of pick your poison, was it Gray letting Middlesbrough cut in off the left that um, that cost him that goal? Should Melly have saved it at the near post? Gray's attitude from what I told was that it was absolutely his fault. You know, he, he should have been tighter to his man. He shouldn't have let the, the shot get away. And he was annoyed with himself about that. But then if you look at how he played for the rest of the game, he was basically man of the match, the best player on, on the pitch. And he's become impossible to drop. He's actually improved and got better again since Conor Roberts has come in and there was actually a question mark over, over right back. But the thing with Leeds, when they were looking for a right back and they knew they needed one in the window, was that they didn't actually want to compromise Gray's minutes. You know, they did want to keep playing Gray. It's difficult to play him in the centre of midfield because of what's going on there. Although, you know, I was asking Farker ahead of the Chelsea game, is that is that going to have to happen at some point? To I, I suppose for, for his development to take 
the next, you know, to go through the next stage from here, is he going to have to play as a as a centre mid more often than not? Although at the minute you do seem to be getting more and more fullbacks who are kind of inverting and you know doubling up and can can do both, and he looks like he looks like he can. But there's definitely something about Leeds Academy when it comes to the the kids that they've had from a really young age, the way in which they grow up and develop. And I, I, this isn't a comparison to other academies because I don't follow them closely enough. But Leeds seem to have a very good knack of educating them well, of coaching them extremely well. And of turning so many into good, very well-rounded footballers who are, you know, who in the end are good enough for the the first team. And Gray is about the best one I've ever seen come through it. Not bad, is he? Not bad, is he? Right, let's um, do the Kaiser Chiefs reveal. So, Kaiser Chiefs week here on the podcast. The Easy 8th album is out today, Friday the 1st of March. Contributions on there from Niall Rogers, the old uh, guitar. Nice. Yeah. You good at guitar? Yes. <laughs> Phil? I just like to not show off. What was your instrument? Uh, I played the drums for a while when I was young. Dave Grohl? Not as good as, but as big a beard. You could, yeah. make, you could make a noise. Yeah, pretty much. Could make a noise. Um, the crib's on there as well. Simon Ricks, bassist from uh, Kaiser Chiefs, came in on Wednesday. You can go back and find that in your uh, in your feeds. So the prize, eighth album, eight things. Three copies of the new album, tape, CD and vinyl. Two tickets to see the Kaiser Chiefs on their upcoming headline tour. And if you win this, by the way, we'll be announcing the winner in second could go see them tonight at Project House in Leeds limited edition football shirt has been produced by Admiral for the Kaiser Chiefs an art print and a merch voucher from us eight things there in the bundle uh, we gave you a clue each day this week and it's time to now oh my god reveal the dead difficult answer okay so we'll uh, should we do this together well I've entered the competition so I'm hoping to win you're not eligible sadly you are not eligible and nor are you Phil unfortunately Monday's clue Gary Speed's shirt number mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can say it now because we're doing the answers 11 yeah Subtract minus takeaway Crescenzio Somerville's current shirt number. That's 10. Gives you? One. So write that down. One. One. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday, Archie Gray. We've been talking about him. Archie Gray's shirt number. Oh, um, is he 23? No, what? 22. 22. Thank God we've got you here, Michael, yeah. to say this. Next, he won't yeah. know the next answer either. No. Subtract the legal drinking age in the UK. In, pen, in Pennycook <laughs> in the late 90s. 10. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Archie Gray's shirt number 22 minus the legal drinking age in the UK. You get four as your answer. Yeah, 18 is, uh, gives you an answer of four. Write that one down alongside your one. Elan Melier's shirt number. That's number one. Yeah, plus the number of goals he scored this season. That nearly, actually, when, it, when he went for that corner mm. against Chelsea, could have ruined this whole competition. So thank God he didn't score. <laughs> mm. it's, yeah. yeah, it's one. So yeah, uh, one plus zero is one. Thursday's clue. David Batty's traditional shirt number. Now, this actually tripped up a few people who have entered the competition, would you believe? His traditional shirt number is... Not 23. Not 23 number is number it four. It was four, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Divided by, Phil, see if you know this, the number of automatic promotion places in the championship. Mm, that'll be two. Yeah, so four divided by two gives you... Two. Well done, everybody. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> well done. So you add them all up, then what have you got? One plus... Four plus one plus two is eight. Eight! Would you believe it? Would you believe it? The answer for the Easy Eight album was eight. Oh. Fiendishly difficult, wasn't it? I didn't uh, see that coming. No, so thank you to everybody who uh, entered the competition. Don't enter now. That has now finished. It closed at midnight. Uh, and your winner, because we're recording this before midnight and the competition hasn't closed at the time of recording, I'm going to now jump to myself in the future and announce the winner. So the winner is being <sighs> announced by me. Hello there, it's done again. This time I'm on 
Friday, recording after the competition has closed. It closed at midnight last night, Thursday into Friday. Thank you very much if you entered it. We had an absolute mountain of entries, far more than I anticipated for this one, uh, because Michael made it especially difficult. Tried to trip me up on numerous occasions with this competition. Uh, Pleased to say that Steve Clarkson in Pontefract was the name that was randomly drawn out of the 930 eligible entries that arrived before the cutoff at midnight last night. Uh, So congratulations to Steve. Going to sort him out the tickets and the uh, the prize pack with the albums and everything else. Uh, And thanks once again if you entered. And back to me now. Well, there you go. That lucky winner. Well done, them. Yeah, well, good for him, stroke her. Yep. Enjoy it. Yep, should be good. Yeah, thank you for, um, for joining us on Kaiser Chiefs Week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Back to it now then. And it's Huddersfield at the weekend. It is. No trains. It is. Well, there's a surprise. Yeah. I can get five people in my car, probably. Four people. Yeah. Anyone Phil, don't, Phil don't encourage people. <laughs> You're going to be in a <laughs> you know, outside my house. Like, Let me just, I'll just broadcast your number. Yeah, yeah, just give, give the postcode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a bit of a pain in the arse, isn't it? Given that Huddersfield is so close. But anyway, only a minor detail that I'm sure we can overcome. Interesting game, isn't it, this one? They're going to be bang up for it. First home game, new manager, big baying crowd there at the old uh, John Smiths. They were terrible at Ellen Road. I mean, so bad and, and so so flimsy and, and Somerville just had his fun down down the left hand side as seemed to likely to happen from the, the very off when you saw how, how Huddersfield had, had lined up and, and who they'd picked across the, the back four I think it was kind of, you felt on that day that it was inevitable that, that Darren Moore was probably going to get it at some point which he which he did they have given themselves a good chance of staying up but it's incredibly tight isn't it round about the top of the bottom three I mean Rotherham are going to go but even from Wednesday upwards, it's it's difficult to call because there are a lot of clubs who are making a bit of a meal of it down there. The general vibe, and I don't know how much you know about the new guy. What's the new manager called at Huddersfield? Uh, Brighton writer. That's, yeah, I was thinking all. he could be a sports journalist, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah, that is nominative determinism. Yes. Yeah. Get, him, get him sorted out with the Athletic. He's, yeah, no, I'll sack Andy Naylor and he can go and write about the Zerbi. Yeah, um, 100%. Um, so he's been, he's been around the block in Germany. Been at some decent clubs as a as a coach, but hasn't really stuck at any of them for 
for a long time. It's worked for them before at Huddersfield, obviously, German coaching David Wagner, in the same way as it's working for Leeds at the moment with the German coaching and Daniel Farker. But it's all a bit of an unknown, really, this, isn't it? And this is a, a difficult situation to get parachuted into. If you're a good coach or if you need to find out how good some of these coaching credentials are, this is just, you know, these circumstances are going to show you. Yeah. And the point I was I'm making on the weekly show, and again, throw this at you, Phil, and see what you think about it, is that the style is supposed to be more sort of open and expansive and on the front foot. And I wonder, will that potentially play into our hands? We've seen that teams who've tried to go toe-to-toe with us in that regard this season have generally come unstuck. Yeah, yeah. As much as anything, because Leeds are very well drilled, but also just have superior levels of quality in, in most positions to, to most of the teams in, in this division. I suppose what you would say with Huddersfield is that it's, it's probably, and, and maybe not even probably, to their credit, that they haven't just gone for a firefighting option at this stage and said, look, let's just get ourselves out of trouble and then go from there. They, they, they are evidently trying to do something here that could be a, a bit of a project longer term. But it's dicey down there, it is. They need results. I've never, ever found Huddersfield away an easy game for Leeds, ever. There have been occasions where it's gone nicely over there and, and Leeds have looked comfortably the better team, but th- there have been plenty of occasions too where it hasn't gone well. Um, and that Wagner season with Gary Monk being one of them. Mm. Fighting at the touchline. Pontus. Yes. Yes. Scuff yes. of the neck, so on and so forth. Going back to the game at Ellen Road, actually, I just looked up Tom Edwards, who I was going to say hasn't played since that day, but he did. He played last week. He came off the bench. Is he their fullback? He was the one he was who was the right back, yeah. Who was completely dismantled in that first half. Like, it was fairly cruel. Yeah, and, and it was really obvious as well. I can't remember a game where we've been sat in the press box and literally like the first touch in the first 10 seconds everybody's kind of gone mm, he's going to be in for it today and yeah. that's exactly how, how it was I'd like the same to happen again yeah so he's off he's, he had a good appearance off the bench I would say the other day I didn't time watch to it. get him back in there I didn't watch it clearly but, but yeah get him back in yeah. get him back in he's ready for it <laughs> yeah. he needs to get one over on Somerville to even things up for the season that's what I say well uh, and I'm back, you, I for one am backing him to do it as you know I like to see how the home and away form looks oh yes of course yeah. They are 16th best in the in the division. Their home form is slightly better than their away form, which is fairly typical of any side, generally speaking. But yeah, they, they either win, lose or draw. Um, no, right, yeah. Fairly yeah. fairly equal numbers across um, across all three. So that's my conclusion for Saturday's game. It'll be a win, loss or a draw. Yeah. Their owner's interesting, isn't he? I mean, I've been sort of aware, vaguely, of him doing this thing where you tweet leads using asterisks, which seems odd to me. Phil. I'm keeping receipts, baby. Oh, yeah. I thought always, always, <laughs> yes. keeping, always keeping receipts. Surprise. Yeah. There's a surprise. Yeah. I don't think it's a great mix, really, social media and football club ownership. And I get that, you know, he's trying to engage the fan base, but... I, I suppose it's an easy win, isn't it, with, uh, with the fan base doing that? Yeah, but the... I mean, it's inconsequential, but I say the ability for it to, to bite you on the arse and make you look a bit amateurish and babyish is quite high, isn't it? It's a little bit like, well, Brad Rosani just couldn't, he just couldn't keep his counsel, could he? He always felt the need to seek some sort of validation. That's It feels a bit needy. I think it's so much easier to say the wrong thing on Twitter than it is to say the right thing. It's so much easier to get yourself into trouble on there than it is to, to keep your nose clean. So yeah, quite active on there. In, yeah. a, in a way, the, the, these days, you just wouldn't expect Leeds to be Marathi. And so Marathi's got an Instagram account, but as far as I remember, it's got about 200 followers and it's totally private and I don't imagine there's any business on there at all. Not accepting you. <laughs> you left you impending. Was that a tempting thing? Of shall I just try, just in case? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's still it's, pending. Uh, it's still pending. Is the he probably didn't go on much? Yeah. No. He's, he, probably, he probably he's forgotten his password. Much. I think yeah. he's forgotten his password. But no. Yeah. It's that it's that ability for it not to necessarily backfire, but just to make you look a little bit amateurish. 
because I know he's, tra- he's just trying to curry favour with their fan base. Yeah. And naturally, the tribalism of football means they've all leapt on it and gone, ah, Leeds fans on strings. It's like it's just babyish. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, an important game, this one, though. This is, again, if you're going to finish second in the table as tight as this, this is a sort of game that you've got to be, you've got to be edging. Do you, think, do you think it's a huge, 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 huge game for them, but just another game for us? Mm, Maresca style, no, <laughs> no. I don't, I would, we're very much into the stage where they're all big games, aren't they? Yeah, of course they are. I, I keep reflecting on this. I think it's quite exciting, isn't it, this running? I'm actually genuinely excited for it. I'm just about- interested to see what Farker does when we do get down to the last five or six games and we start asking about the table whether or not he then kicks the can down the road and says no you know with one or two to go get into that but for now I'd, 26 I'd, wins I'd really like points a, a game. do you see Andy Hinchcliffe saying that he thought Leeds were going beaten towards the end of the season Sky co-commentator who's always a big favourite with the Leeds fans I'm not saying that's going to happen but it's not that big a it's not that big a call is it, it? It, it, would be, it, it would be absolutely extraordinary if it, it happened it comes from what you said before actually Phil to remind you of that which is you see Leeds going into each and every game capable of winning it yeah. on, a one to, on an individual sort of one-to-one head-to-head yeah, basis yeah. Yeah. yeah but this division being as it is everybody gets beat eventually and I think Farker will know that and he'll, he'll be, he must be massively massively optimistic and incredibly pleased with how the team are playing and, and also how they're, they're holding up but it's another busy busy stretch this isn't it very much so. Yeah, ne- next week is fairly horrible. It just you... it just seems to be about eight press conferences a week in the yeah. championship. You know, yeah. So I mean, I suppose the the one benefit of having the lunch tank pick off on Saturday is just a little bit of extra recovery time ahead of going into Tuesday against Stoke. But then Friday against Sheffield Wednesday feels a bit mean. <laughs> well, just yeah, a conspiracy. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm, deep, yeah deep state MSM, all that, whatever the people say. It's it's not an un, it's not a sort of unreasonable amount of time to have to recover between that, but I think it it's just at this stage of the season you feel as if these weeks have built up and be, built up where it is Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, or whatever else. There's so many games, but they've done really well to to manage it. I was particularly impressed with the way they got through the the stint through Swansea and Bristol and and Plymouth, um, just turning up and getting it done again and again. I think it said a lot about the way in which he's he's built them up mentally. What what do you think he's doing differently, maybe that? That means that we're we're navigating this period quite well so far. Is it to do with managing load as opposed to as opposed to win? I mean, I mean, I don't know. What I'm getting at is why are we still winning when we have had loads of games? <laughs> is it because we're just you good? Mean, no, I mean, is it something to do with him? Is he managing mental load as much as he is physical load? I, I just wonder what it is that that's behind this. What's the thinking? Because he's been around this block a few times. He knows how to win the championship. He knows how to get out of it is what I'm getting at. I just wonder what it is that is, is within his method that means it, that he's... It just feels massively process-driven to use that awful phrase. They did plan well in advance, you know, for the, the stretch when they were going to have to do Ashton Gate and then Swansea and, and Plymouth away and then obviously the FA Cup tie thrown in. It, it You can't just wing that. You've got to work out when you're travelling, where you're staying, how, you, how you're sleeping, when you're sleeping, what you're eating, when you're training. I was speaking to a fitness expert who was saying one of the really difficult things in that period... Was it Michael? Is, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, yeah. and roofing expert as well. And he he, um, he said one of the really difficult things is that it's not so much the players who are playing because they're you know they're still ticking over nicely because they're getting minutes in their legs. The difficult thing is maintaining the players who aren't because you don't train anywhere near as much as you would do in a in an empty week. Loads of times lost to travelling, um, less so if you fly, which Leeds did, which was really sensible. But that can become tricky when it comes to rotating the team because you need people to come in and and do well. But again. Farker just seems to have them all in a position at the moment where when they do play, like Joseph last night, they're making a big impression and they're looking worth the place in the team. And you've seen that with Gruev, you've seen it with with Bamford. I do think Bamford in for, 
for Piro has been really influential moment in this season just to just to get everything going again and just to refresh it, give Leeds a, a slightly different look when I, when I think they needed it. But more than anything, he seems to be very good Farker at going game to game and not getting particularly rattled by what's happening elsewhere or what's going on in between or what might be coming further down the road. The only occasions where he's got sucked into even talking about that have been, you know, the pop that he had at Sky about the way that the, the fixtures have been scheduled and what broadcasting is doing to the time, the kickoff times and, and the way in which he, he has to plan. But he doesn't get hit up on that. He doesn't really get massively into refereeing either. I, I was saying, you know, I, I think Leicester is the first first game really this season where Leeds have had a pretty big slice of luck to get through that and get anything from it, let, let alone a win. But I don't think that's been typical of the season at all. And I do think they have had some pretty rubbish decisions against them, particularly when it comes to, to penalties. But again, you don't get him sat for 20 minutes afterwards moaning about the PGMOL or, you know, whoever else. It's just a case of, right, done with, move on. And I suppose that is exactly what he's trying to say, isn't it? Where he keeps saying to you, don't ask me about the table until we've got six games to go, because until that point, it is just tick this off, tick this off, tick this off. And that, I think, was exactly what happened in the run through Bristol and Plymouth and, and Swansea, was it was just turn up, get it done, turn up, get it done, as it happened incredibly impressively. Um, at Swansea, which was a huge bonus, I think, you know, to win that so so easily, especially before having to go back down to to Plymouth. But that's how it's that's how it's been. The players seem to relate to that. The players seem to have been able to to buy into that attitude. And just all round, it's been it's been a, a really good job, not just by Farker, not by the players, but also by you know behind the scenes the way in which they've recruited this squad and, and prepared for this season. Given our best form has come with Bamford in the side, but he is potentially injured. For this game, maybe the, you know we've seen his record in the past. He doesn't tend to hold up for long stretches. What would you now do with the striker position? Now we've Great seen Joseph. Question. Yeah, because um, he played really well last night, really well. Whereas Pirro, on the other hand, I didn't think played particularly well. I think he was terrible, but you know it just didn't seem to be working for him. Most of what Joseph was doing or trying to do either worked or looked like it was going to work. It totally made sense. Whereas Pirro was just a bit more, a bit more on the periphery. It feels to me like he probably backs Pirro and sticks with Pirro. Is that because like the order of the squad is kind of established now for the season? You tend to find that that's the case with squads that it, that you've got to be a little bit political and diplomatic about it. You know, you've you, sometimes you have to drop very very good players, and the one that always drops to, comes to mind when I think about it is Grayson with Beckford. You know, there's a lot of pressure in that promotion season to drop Beckford when the goals weren't going in, which he did eventually. But you can't do that on a whim, and the sort of big players, the big names, the expensive signings, the big personalities in your dressing room, you've got to you've got to get that get that right. And I think when you know it's nine league wins on the bounce at the moment, I think when it's like that, you, you sort of want to be wary of saying to somebody, actually, I don't rate you or you haven't been contributing enough. So it feels to me like he's most likely to stick with Piro and that would probably make sense. But I do think Joseph last night was kind of begging the question of, you know, why not give him a go? Yeah, he's played himself into contention. He has, yeah. He? yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, but, but again, there's absolutely no harm in that whether or not Joseph now plays or not. Having a striker in the background, you know, once Bamford comes back, you revert to the old picking order, you would think. But it means that in a game where you need a goal or if you lose Bamford and Pirro suddenly one week, you've got Joseph that you can rely on. And, and this is what I mean about the squad. You're not looking at many parts of it and saying they're really underserved in that position or the players on the fringes you know they've got a strong 11 but the players on the fringes aren't up to it or, or aren't likely to contribute enough and that is how you get promoted everybody will say it in the championship every manager always says this you do not get promoted with 11 players I look at Jaden Anthony as a particular example and, and credit to him for 
his performance at Chelsea because yeah, he's, he's, been, he's yeah. been very much a bit part player this season. I'm sure from his point of view, especially you know with the personal loss that he suffered with his with his mum mm-hmm. dying, it's been a really really difficult year for him. He's you know he's farmed out on loan at the eleven well more than the eleventh hour. It was nearly midnight, wasn't it? Perhaps in a very literal sense, when he moved to Leeds, he wasn't expecting that at all to find himself dropping down a division, and he's still quite peripheral in the squad. And he he'd started a number of games for Bournemouth, and suddenly he's just he's on loan at Leeds and not really playing much. To step into that game last night and to put in a good performance, I thought was was very very admirable, um, given the circumstances of the of the sort of wider season. And it is when you look at it compared to most of the uh, available resources within the Championship, it is an embarrassment of riches. Oh, it is, and and Farker has never ever promised anybody coming in that you're going to play X number of games. You know, he didn't do it with Connor Roberts. When we went to interview Connor Roberts on the night when he signed, he said, you know, if, if I don't play at all, I don't actually... Like, it didn't mean he doesn't mind, but he said, if I don't play at all when we go up, then that's just how it is and, and I can can accept that. But he was very happy, but well, very content with the fact that Farker had said, I want you here and I value you and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be crucial in the squad, but I'm not telling you you're going to start playing every single week. Anthony's a really good championship player. So if you offer him around the division, most clubs would say, oh, absolutely, take him and play him. For example, you had Bamford on the, the bench for a long time, who, again, a lot of championship clubs would take. Archie Gray, if you're saying to people, you could have him and, and play him in the centre of midfield, um, you'd have people climbing over glass to, to to agree a deal for that. At Leeds, he's playing it right back. They're not even needing him in the centre of, of midfield. It's just really, really strong. And it's why they're in such a such a good position the points tally is ridiculous actually for the number of games that they've played it really is massively impressive and if it wasn't for for Leicester and how they've been to this point it would be you know it'd be even more so on the Leicester match ball Moscow raised a point that perhaps in the first half maybe three quarters of that we we played we played the occasion rather than the game to a certain extent perhaps for the first time this season I think one thing that Farker's squad have been really really good at doing to date is playing the game rather than the occasion because for many teams Leeds is one of the biggest if not the biggest game of the season and I think they've done well to manage that we saw how difficult it was it always felt like Leeds had to overcome an extra hurdle in that regard when we went up under under Bielsa but they've been really really quite good at that and very efficient this season and it's something I guess they've got to carry into this game on Saturday against Huddersfield Southampton just went wrong really quickly didn't it that game was almost gone before it got started so it was hard to It'd be hard to draw any conclusion about how much they played the occasion down there. Perhaps Southampton did play it and played it well because Russell Martin was under pressure at the time. There's quite a lot of talk about, you know, whether or not he might be creeping towards the, the kind of sticky, sticky wicket. I wonder as well if there was an element of playing the occasion against West Brom because there were so many distractions around that game at Ellen Road. It was hard to get away from everything that was happening. You could feel it in the crowd, frustration about what was happening with Nonto. Leeds still at that point a long way short of being as strong as they needed to be, and and that natural fear in the transfer window with like a couple of weeks left are they going to do enough and are they going to set themselves up so it might well have been playing the occasion against Leicester I think as well mentally it's probably quite difficult for a team who have been so good this season have dominated so many teams to find themselves under the cosh and in the second half to almost find themselves in circumstances where they didn't really know how to contain Leicester Farker was saying to us he thought Leeds were really good against the ball in that game but you know particularly half-time onwards and, and that spell where, where Leicester had those two big chances, they did seem to be cutting through really easily and you suddenly went from having Rodon, Ampadu and others who've been ultra rock solid for such a long time. Seemingly they didn't know how to manage it and they didn't know how to how to kind of plug the dam. And so I think there's a, a psychological impact of that. And yeah, perhaps they did 
realise how, how big an occasion it was. But then you would say on the flip side, I think it definitely did play the occasion in the last 10 minutes. Well, yeah, which, which is ex- what it did. The exact you know? point I was going to come on to, I think it was the occasion that actually saw us over the line in yeah. the end, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, you can harness it in your favour as well. So amid all those wild contradictions, what, <laughs> like, what conclusion do we draw? Is that it's good to play the occasion if it, if you win. If it works, <laughs> like everything else. Insight. You, again, you can't avoid that happening sometimes. I mean, play the occasion was probably the, the entire plot line of um, the game against Bristol Rovers when Leeds went up under Grace and that was all it was about and it made for a really really crazy day which could have gone any which way and could quite easily have gone against Leeds because it just wasn't under control properly from the start and Barnsley under Bielsa another prime example of you suddenly thinking the players seem to have got this in their heads a little bit that this is it and if they can just sneak through this one then they probably are there so your legs start to feel heavy judgement seemed to go you had Ailing, he was furious about it you had Bielsa who unusually, like really unusually, didn't seem to be able to transmit any of the messages he was getting across. Nobody knew what they were doing. And you did think this is just prime on the verge, on the threshold, panic stations. Um, yeah, it was the getting it over and, the line bit about it being the hardest, wasn't it? And yeah. with hindsight, it was a joy like to, to sit through that because it went the right way in the end. But it does, it does happen. It's ultimately um, the sort of stuff that just makes sport watchable, isn't it? Though? Yeah. Just the way things can flip, that you can be in control of something and then... Before you know it, you're John Vandervelde with your shoes and socks off, yeah. I mean, blowing a lead, <laughs> yeah. and it's you know you, you you can all of a sudden go from thinking we've we've got this, this is done, to it being completely turned around. So it, My, and when it's in your favour, dream stuff. When I, it's uh, when it's Derby, not so much. Yeah, I mean, I was quite taken by the number of people who said the atmosphere against Leicester is the best they've seen for ages. You said that, like the best you've seen for about twenty twenty years, mm. and you will in in twenty years' time, whatever's gone on in between with the leads have gone on to much bigger and better things whether they've won anything whether there's been you know things that have completely outshone anything that's gone on in the championship if somebody mentions that Leicester game to you you'll be able to remember it and that's why because things went on that kind of kind of touched things went things on. went on that touched <laughs> you as opposed to just being you know going through the motions yeah I think do you know what's weird like I don't know if it's an age thing or getting old or whatever but having the awareness that you're in the moment there like when I was a kid when we won the league title in 1992 I was just shy of my 14th birthday and obviously mm-hmm. when you unless you're part of the Gray family you haven't got any uh, worldliness about you when you're, when you're nearly 14 but um, not appreciating it at the time fully and understanding it in like the, the whole uh, the whole span of your life I suppose whereas I know I knew at that very moment when that was happening and unfolding I thought I'm going to remember this forever I'm going to remember this feeling forever because you need to go through a long stretch of winning nothing or doing nothing significant in order to appreciate how much it how much it matters we had this up at Hearts didn't win a trophy for about 40 years and when when they did I was 17 so it started to feel at that stage like in it, the minus club. it was never happening you know yeah in the minus club yeah yeah um I would long since graduate the proper boozers by then which one which one fussy either of how old you happen to be um so for us you get into 17 and you're thinking never seen them win anything it's quite annoying but for other people who were late in the 50s and 60s you know it felt like a ridiculously long stretch to the point where you thought it was never ever going to happen so I think as you get older you do appreciate that more it's only natural and uh, one one all Hearts Hibs mm. were you keeping an eye on that as well at the same time no I was I, I was keeping an eye on the score did not play well apparently although did you see Shanklin catching the pie from the um, away end and took a bite yeah high risk I bet he regretted that as soon as he did it <laughs> yeah, he thought this would be good for the cameras but then um, yeah, my, my dad's got an anecdote about when they first um, 
introduced microwaves, you know, like in catering concessions within the uh, within the stadium. And people didn't know that, you know, to microwave a pie, you don't put it in for 10 minutes like you do the oven or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was quite hot, quite hot. Especially when you're throwing them around, you need to be careful with that sort of thing. Well, there you go then. Huddersfield at the weekend. I think we're beyond doing anything silly like making predictions, aren't we, at this stage now? Now it's easy. Well, until, basically until we play Southampton, we should win every game. Should. Is, is what you can sort of roll out every week. But you're, because... the, you're the person who just a couple of minutes ago just introduced the chaos factor. I know. Uh, and that will uh, that will kick in at some point, whether it's this weekend or not. Who knows? You, you would but... think there's more chance of chaos factor away at Huddersfield than yeah. certain other games that are that are coming up because of the way the crowd will be there because of how much they will want to will want to win this. Um, You've got to keep your head though, Phil, yeah? Yeah, which Leeds have. Yeah. You know, absolutely key point, I think, of what's gone on since that defeat at West Brom. I'd, I'd quite like us to score an early goal, then another, and then maybe another. And then I mean, the, more, the home more, game, more after that. Where we got to have the second half off, that was nice. Yeah. yeah. That which, was a nice one. Which, quite so, frankly, yeah. if we could repeat that, I'd accept that because. Yeah, it'd be pretty helpful. Yeah, yeah, because especially with the game on Tuesday. So if you could score four goals in the first half, I don't think that's too much to ask, is it? Well, that, that though, was the thing about Swansea, wasn't it? You, you look at this really congested run where you got to travel a lot, where you got to manage recovery and everything a lot. And then you go to Swansea and you wipe the floor with them. And that almost takes out a game from the, the run because it's it's so comprehensive and so easy. that it, and, and Leeds did, I think, look slightly jaded at Plymouth uh, the Saturday after, but I think they would look more so had it been, you know, hell for leather or really tight and really tight and tense at Swansea. Because again, it was a game they had to win. Well, we shall see. Won't we? we take nothing for granted at this stage, I don't think. Um, no. A lot of football still to play, but not that much but not that much. Almost down to single figures in games now, aren't we? It's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. But in a fun way. In a fun way. Harness it, let's enjoy it. It's only fun because we're winning, Dan. Let's enjoy the ride. Let's enjoy the ride. Right, we will catch up after the weekend, Phil. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll debrief the the game at Huddersfield. We certainly will. See you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.